When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Do you guys watch The Breakfast Club? Uh, the movie? Charlemagne, no, 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 no. The, the God. <laughs> the Breakfast the movie. Javon brings that up in conversation. He's literally like the cultural critic of the time right now. But yeah, yeah. Carter comes up shooting. Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 72. We're enjoined with the trifecta. You guys happy? Trifecta? We got Greg, we've got Christian, and we've got Javon. Guys, we're in the fucking NBA finals. What is happening? Woo! Has to be expected, Brandon. <laughs> Nothing Not to do with really, the basketball though. gods. We're good. Uh, suffice to say, Masai Ujiri is a goddamn reincarnation of Christ. Uh, we <laughs> won four in a row against Milwaukee Bucks, and now we are in the NBA Finals for the first time in the entire duration of our history. Yeah. Uh, big, big, like, just applause. Applause for this fucking team this year. Let's go, Raps. Yep, Let's yep. go. And, um, and Masai Ujiri, someone needs to make a statue of that man. Absolutely. Um, pandemonium in the city, like, you know, you talk about like a tough sport town. Toronto's been devoid of anything. We won the fucking couple pennants in the early 90s, but the Leafs have been a rancid cesspool of failure for years. Um, the big four, no championships in the Exactly. Big four. And, you know, seeing a team like the Toronto Raptors going to the NBA Finals against arguably one of the greatest teams of all time, the Golden State Warriors, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty remarkable feat. Uh, we'll see what happens in the finals. We'll get that a little bit later. Uh, just to start it off, but like, what? I think it sounds so fucking cheesy to say this, but what? What does this win like mean for you guys? Like being diehard Raptors fans, we've all been hoops heads for decades. Greg, what is this fucking? It's, it's it's incredibly meaningful. It's incredibly meaningful. Um, I, to me personally, I I think the most like emotional aspect of the winning and the celebration was actually when Kyle Lowry came to uh, the podium there, and you know a whole stadium of of people are chanting Lowry, and you can yeah. see. Right, how moved he was in the moment, right? Because that guy's been through so much, man, and he's taken so much criticism. And I love that Wayne Emery was the guy, and not a lot of people probably know who that is, right? But Wayne Emery was the guy that actually first received the trophy to pass it on to to the uh, the players. Um, incredibly meaningful, but to me, it's not the championship, right? A lot of people they did celebrate like we won the championship, right? And I get it. But I'm reserving that upper level of partying for when that happens. Graffin, what's his finals appearance mean to you? Look, for me, I, 
we're all the same age, right? We're all 30, 31 years old, and we've seen the Raptors in their highs. According their to Greg models. Cypriot uh, ID, he's actually 42. But 42, we'll sorry about that. I got uh, three kids. <laughs> um, yeah. All three years old in three yeah. different countries. <laughs> With uh, three different women. <laughs> no, Rowdy. Candace, stop. No. <laughs> And this is go from funny back to to the emotion. Honestly, I was with probably 15 of my friends. We watched it at the end of the game. Uh, I reacted exactly like you said, a little bit too dramatic. I, I couldn't help I did it. Too. I, I, I did too. A tear went down my face. I was really, really, really happy for this team. Yeah. Masai Ujiri, like you said, Kyle Lowry especially. You can see the happiness at the end of the game. Um, overjoyed for the team, honestly. And, and and the fact that you get to see now all these NBA pundits that are in Toronto, the NBA media here for the finals, it's really starting to sink in, I think. We're at the center of the basketball universe. Exactly. It's, it's the best thing ever. And there's a graph today I saw that basically showed that most of America is cheering for the Raptors, except yeah. for Hawaii and California. It's crazy. So, rogue states. No one wants to rogue see state of Hawaii. <laughs> we could be the next dynasty if Kawhi wants to stay here. Who knows? Especially if we knock off a team like the Warriors and screw their whole free agency plans up. So, I was thrilled, thr- beyond oh, yeah. thrilled oh, and yeah. emotional. Javon. Oh, I mean, you know, what else can we say? Every single year, the Raptors have been in the playoffs. They've gotten knocked out. And every single year, you know, there's a glimpse of hope. And we're all just like, you know what? They can do it. If this and this goes right, we can knock out LeBron and we can make it to the finals. You know, put us on our way to a championship. But, you know, every year, you know, when they keep getting knocked out and you keep hoping for something else, you know, we're all by definition crazy, except for this year. And this year we got to celebrate. And, I mean, we didn't win the championship yet. I say yet, you know, like that. But, you know, it was it was huge for the city. You know, I haven't celebrated that hard since Jose Bautista hit that three-run home run. I know, Javon had a whole that. three beers that night. It was pretty fantastic. <laughs> it was uh, four, actually. <laughs> I think, But it was great. I think in retrospect, just only the biggest takeaway for me from this finals appearance is that I've never seen a trade, like like just like a yeah. Hail Mary trade like that in Masai Ujiri and go right. Like throwing all your chips right in the fucking center and just seeing, you know, you winning that massive jackpot. That was our goal. That was the expectation getting Kawhi Leonard. Finals are bust. Is, is that fair for me to say? Yeah, hundred percent. That's what everybody was saying too. You know, and I think a lot of people were sort of criticizing him. You know, trading away the face of the organization, type of Demar Derozan. Um, you know, there there were a lot of NBA pundits sort of critical of that trade. You know, with the uncertainty of Kawhi's contract. But in retrospect, that might arguably be one of the greatest trades of all time. And also, you know, looking at the other teams that were in a position to possibly make that trade, you could talk about the Lakers, Celtics, etc. Even the 76ers, You know, the pie is in their face right now because we were the only people who had the mm-hmm. balls and gall in that situation to make a trade yeah. like that. And I think that's what you have to do in the modern climate of basketball is to make hail, hail mary chances like gambles like that and obviously the Raptors for the Raptors have played dividends yeah and um Brandon you know just to build off that because yes to to uh Graf's point right like look the city was on fire and it was awesome to see that right uh and the celebration of what it meant for the city right but to me honestly man what I love the most was the fact that all the U.S. media picked Philly and Boston Mm -hmm. right Right, they didn't even win the division. So we won the division. So Greg, you and I started this podcast together. One of the main reasons why we started the podcast is because we felt like the Toronto Raptors, a Canadian basketball for that matter, was getting an un- unfair, uh, getting no respect, getting no respect. Basically, do you think this finals appearance will validate Toronto as I wouldn't say a mecca of basketball, but an authority? Uh, well, uh, and, and 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 this is why again, just back on you know why is it meaningful? I I think this is a big step toward that. I think unfortunately, like a. a 
it wasn't that we didn't deserve uh, any respect. It was just that there's like an American, uh, American centrism there, right? Like there's a nationalism. They don't want to kind of admit that this might be a mecca of 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 basketball and. Because even now, like when I'm listening to to them talk about the Raptors, like yeah, there's a lot more respect, but it's exclusively for Kawhi Leonard. I think this the the legacy will depend on if he stays. I do, I think if he walks, it's like oh yeah, he got them there. You don't have Kawhi Leonard anymore, right? Even though it was such a it was a team effort, and all those LeBron James teams, right? He was the star character. There were lots of guys around him. That's how really good teams are. They have a leader, right? But no, the you bring team deserves respect. Like- even when you listen to like all the media pundits like now, it's always Kawhi versus Steph or Kawhi and Golden State. Yeah. Like you never hear like them talk about Toronto or, yeah. or Kyle Lowry. Like they do, but it's like minimal. It's always a focus on Kawhi Leonard and what he does for the team and how he's gonna match up against Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. It's never about Toronto. So I think historically with the Raptors though, like if you compare them to other franchises, this is the first time that we've been there, right? To the finals. And a lot of other teams have storied friends. Like they have storied histories. Like a lot of different teams. Even the Bucks have all the way back in the 70s. Oscar Robertson. Exactly. What does that mean though for today? I'm just saying like a lot of like fans will just, that's the easy out for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very easy out in the sense that they'll just say, oh, the Raptors have never been there. Mm -hmm. It's the first, the baby dinosaur. Like, you know what I mean? It's, It's the easy thing to say. So. I'm a firm believer that a team has to slowly build themselves up mm-hmm. to get to the top. And they have, that means they're going to have to lose in round one one year. The next year, maybe losing the finals and the conference finals. And then eventually you'll win it and keep going from there and grow. And I think the Raptors are, especially if Kawhi stays, they're, they're not even at their final form. No, like they've been not. together since February. You're also roster. talking about the exclusion of a guy like OG and Anobi. Yeah, that you know, exactly. many for, for for us at least, you know, prior to his injury, even the offseason was like, uh, do not touch him and or do you involve him in any potential trade package, prospect. right? Exactly. <laughs> and um, people know Siakam's name now, uh, and they know Van Vliet's name because he had a good series. I just think going forward, so, it will help if Kawhi stays. People will take our team seriously. So let's get into the series right now. Um, obviously, down to nothing. Everyone. No one gave us a chance after two nothing. Yeah, you know, everyone, Stephen A. Smith said we're done. One, a lot of people did. Four yeah, fucking wins either. in a row, boys. Four wins in a row against arguably one of the scariest teams in the NBA. I think at that point, up to nothing, Milwaukee. People even have a conversation about Milwaukee might be able to potentially take out Golden State, even the inclusion of Kevin Durant, Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, etc. That team's in turmoil right now. We'll get to that in a second. But who was who? Who are the biggest sort of eye-opening performance? Uh, in your in, in your in your perspective, Javon, in the NBA uh, Eastern Conference Finals, you know, he had Fred Van Vliet coming in from the you know after his wife gave birth, just having these heat check games, Nick Nurse adjustments in the final four games, and, and I was about Kawhi, to say that, you know, the bench they like Fred Van Vliet stepped up huge, Norman Powell stepped up huge when when uh, Green wasn't hitting his shots. Those guys for sure played like abnormal abnormally great in this series, and if it wasn't for them to get us over the hump, I think. You know, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. It could have gone to a game seven or whatever. But I think, you know, the most important person, not player, person in the last round was Nick Nurse. Mm. Because after going down 0-2, you have to really look at yourself in the mirror and say, what's going wrong? Because it's not just one thing he has to make an adjustment on. It's multiple things. So whether it was making sure you get Norman Powell in the game earlier, whether it was changing up the way you're playing offense, changing up the way you play defense, going from a, a, a just a man defense to more of a zone defense where that zone Gian- where Giannis is now has to go against three guys, and now he's being forced to make like a superstar play, like something that LeBron James would do. And the zone, like that's not something that like the zones don't work in the NBA. No, they don't. Apparently. Yeah. Right? And well, to the have thing- the balls to do that as a rookie head coach to say, like, 
I'm going to do something unconventional, even though if it if I if it doesn't come off, I'll be laughed at out of the building. Exactly, but he had to do something, right? Because the NBA is a shooters league. Like if you can't shoot the ball and you're not athletic as shit, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, uh, the guy on Philadelphia, Ben uh, Simmons, Ben Simmons, or Giannis Antetokounmpo, like these guys are super athletic. And if you're mm-hmm. not that, you better be able to shoot the ball because there's three in the key. There's defensive three seconds. Like the game is not structured for a zone. It's structured for man to man. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to make that adjustment and then also you know sagging off of a struggling Bledsoe, yeah, just you know noticing that this guy is not shooting the ball well and just you know if there's anybody who wants to shoot the ball is this guy and he made one or two but they stuck with the with the adjustment and it ended up paying off i, in the I view him as one of the biggest liabilities on the milwaukee team that guy's locked in with graph in four years at 17 18 million per year in that yeah, contract you know but you know i wouldn't even say he played bad overall i just think he had a bad series because i think he played decent against um, he's got a good defense i would say he was exploited him. though I would say the weaknesses of his game in that series were and that's exploited. Right and that, exactly. I was going to say, because I even wrote it on my little chart here for the script for today is, we're going to talk about it later, but Nick Nurse out-coaching Mike Budenholzer. Oh, yeah. And, and I think oh, that's oh, really? Is that what happened? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold, hold on one second. <laughs> I refuse to continue this fucking conversation, or this podcast for that matter. If, Gre- if Greg thinks. says that if Jason Kidd was on that fucking team, <laughs> they would have made the NBA Finals. No. Yeah. No, they wouldn't even made the fucking play. No, I'm not gonna, All I'm, I'm gonna, saying is good that we didn't thank pick you. him there up. There we go. There but, we go. Hey, um, or Jason Kidd. Kudos to Messiah on that one. Right? Okay, but number one factor, I think, for the series, because you mentioned Nick Nurse's adjustments. You said Fred Van Vliet shooting and all that stuff. I think home court advantage. Mm, I honestly yeah. think when it came back to Toronto, we won game one and two, actually. They were just completely rattled. And the fact that we almost... Because we won away that last game, the, fu- the almost the final game was in Toronto. But think of they the f- could not win here in Toronto. Think at all. of the fragility though of this win. Remember Game Three, Lowry fouls out of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, Powell, who was playing really good, he fouled out of the game. Right, double overtime. Van Vliet yeah. couldn't throw a rock in an ocean. His right? kid wasn't even born yet. Yeah, right, and and. You know, Kawhi kind of willed us. Like, Marcus Gasol played huge, right? Like, yep. that game, we easily could have lost that game, right? If, well, if, if Giannis didn't foul out. Remember, he fouled out with that Siakam charge? Mm. That easily, talk about home court. If that was in Milwaukee, that's a charge it's, on... It's funny, because you could isolate every... Because I would argue the next game, game four, when yeah. Kawhi was visibly tired from yeah, playing hobbled, double overtime. Yeah, and hobbled. the rest played of the like team 54 minutes. Up. Yeah, he played an hour of yeah. basketball, pretty much. And the rest of the team just... Basically, for the rest of the series from that game on, took over. So I would say that, and then game five in Milwaukee, you could argue that win was huge. Game yeah. six, we no, won the series. Graf and Graf and Graf, I just want to add <laughs> to that one point. But if they went down 3-0, right? I agree. Oh. Remember how the Raptors had a completely different style of basketball when Kawhi Leonard didn't play during the regular season? Yeah. And people are saying, oh, the Raptors are better without Kawhi Leonard. Yep. I think that game four segment where Kawhi Leonard was visibly tired and couldn't perform, and then the bench came in and did what they had to do, I think that game was symbolic of those two styles of basketball. Yeah. Combining, combining. I, becoming, they finally, becoming, they finally met. Finally clicking. Finally I w- clicking. I would argue, and I have argued, that the rest for Kawhi Leonard is not only beneficial for him; it's beneficial for the rest of the team because yeah. they have to figure out how to play without him. Yeah. And you can see it in games like that when he's not on or yeah. just tired. 
they have to step up, and those that's the situation right there. The, that the guy does absolutely fucking boggles my mind. Coming out of San Diego State, I don't think many people even predicted him being like this, even a third, fourth best He's option a on a team. Specialist. Defensive specialist, but just adding something to his game every single season. I don't see too many guys in the league working. You know what's on. crazy? Like when Demar Derozan was on the team, that was like the thing that we always talked about him about. He's always adding something. He added a, you know, his jump shot got that but, much better. But to evolve to an ISO score like this, better. you know, what I mean, not being a natural scorer, being predominantly known as a defender in college, and just completely learning the other side of the game like this and dominating this side of the game yeah. is absolutely incredible. What, yeah. Um, what's impressed me more than anything about Leonard is just like how mindful he is, at, right? Because that's something that uh, DeRozan doesn't have. He's easily flustered yeah. and he would let, and that's why you saw him, he wouldn't come through in the moments that mattered the most because the pressure's on. Kawhi, you know, he talks about like enjoying the moment, right? When you're in, I always tell a youth I coach, right? Find joy in your play. Because when you're um, finding joy, you're just playing. You're you're in the moment. You're not overthinking. There's no pressure. There's no, right? And, and, and Kawhi's ability to do that at the highest levels combined with his freakish athleticism, right? Like he just makes such timely plays. You know, he has the highest winning percentage out of any player in the NBA. His, his his at like from the Spurs to the Raptors now doesn't surprise me, right? He, he just has a net positive effect on winning, man. He, the way that he comes up with loose balls and rebounds. On the other side of the coin as well, like if we talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, you know they didn't really have like a dependable closer. You can say what you want to say about Giannis, but he's still an unfinished product. Even though he might potentially win the MVP this year, it just didn't seem like they had somebody in the fourth quarter that can you know. ISO Kawhi Leonard, ice the game, guy you can bend on. Same thing to Philadelphia 76ers. Jimmy Butler kind of was their closer. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win championships unless you have one of the top five guys in the league. Maybe even a James Harden would be like the limit of that. And uh, you saw the limitations of a team like Milwaukee. Um, jumping to the... Any last points in the Milwaukee series, guys? Well, like, <laughs> you know, does my question then is... Does, we At the start of the year, we said... You know, what are the odds that Kawhi stays? And we said that if we reach the finals, right? Even if we go to the Eastern Conference Finals and have a really good showing, but if you get to the yep. finals, it's hard. It would be hard for him to walk away from that. And and I'm, and I'm watching Mike Wilbon uh, on Pardon the Interruption talk about being there and explaining to Tony Kornheiser why he thinks that Kawhi is going to stay now. He goes, you know, you can feel that there's a romance there, that right? They, they, uh, the fans are serenading him. That's the thing I find so funny about this. Like everyone's like speculating. Like, they're still thinking about the decision. They're eventually going to come to their decision and sell so, like Durant. And the Clippers are still these, the betting favorite. I, like, I'm me, sure as like, shit that think... these. I'm sure as shit that these guys have decided where they're going to go. I'm pretty sure Kawhi's mind's already made up. He's keeping it close so. to his chest. I don't chest. think so. I think everything is up in the air at this point, and I don't even think he's thinking about that. But, but do you think the that one this thing... impacted it? Oh, for sure. Ha having experienced that, the, the emotionality. See, of I don't think but he's coming not, back. It's not it's not just the run, but Brand. it's like the iconic moments that are happening while this run is going on. Yeah. And these are things that you can't recall with his previous run in San Antonio. When he won that finals MVP, yes. it was like, oh, Kawhi, who's this guy? Mm -hmm. What did he do? Like, you didn't really notice his effect. Like, you did if you watched the game, but it's not something that you remember over time. Mm -hmm. Like, going forward, like, these yeah, are iconic, iconic moments, moments that yes. are going to be remembered. And, like, there's no, uh, you know, big wall portrait of Kawhi in San Antonio about yeah. an iconic moment. He already has like how many of those in the city of Toronto? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like these are memories and and these things are invaluable. Like you can't buy these things. Today in media day, he mentioned somebody asked him like has your mind changed throughout the years since you've been in Toronto? About Toronto, yeah. Exactly. And he, his answer was 
to me, pretty, pretty positive in the sense that he said that, yes, it's completely changed because 41 games playing in Toronto is a lot different than coming when you're playing in San Antonio only once a year. You don't get the vibe of the city and you don't get to see how many people are true fans. And he said, just seeing people walking around, yeah. the number of hats and T-shirts people are wearing and how much support the team has yeah. in the city has really changed his perspective on it. So regardless of if he stays or not, at least... I want to say at least we've changed his mind about Toronto, <laughs> but in the end of the day, I think that will factor into the decision. Right? But I think like, it also it factors to. into like free agents going forward, right? Like if Kawhi Leonard. Oh, that's positive. it. That's it right there. Yeah. Like, like I any see other I, any other player coming. Like DeMar I think Kawhi Rose, seems Kawhi Leonard seems very emotionally disconnected from the situation, which he kind of always is. But I I just find it very difficult for him to. I would love to see him come back. It's just, it's very hard for me to envision a scenario regardless if we don't win the championship of him coming back and playing You really don't think he's coming back? I just have that feeling. Brandon, Brandon, I I agreed with you about the emotional disconnection until A, the game seven buzzer beater where you did see that emotion. And second, after we won the Eastern Yeah, but it wasn't about winning. It wasn't about scoring that basket. It was about doing something different though. No, 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 no. no. But when we won that, like it looked to me when the fans were, were, were like Wilbon said, like there's a romance growing. They were, the fans are serenading him and you can see he was affected with an A. He was affected by it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like how many championships did he win in San Antonio? Who did he play with and who was his head coach? Come on. Like what, like he, the guy keeps everything to his chest and this is all irrelevant. It's all conjecture. I think he's showing signs, though, of opening up, and he looks much more comfortable. And and this is most important to, to Joe Mont's point about going through this stuff. When you go through wars with your teammates, you build a bond. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to be that easy for him to walk away from that. Whether or not he would prefer maybe to play in California, if he, he's a winner, he wants to win, we've got to the finals, and he likes his teammates. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they picked him up when he was down? Because people, and he said, uh, Masai believed in me. Like, Masai took a chance on me. Well, we'll see what happens because, you know, we, we have him and we also have the greatest player in the fucking world who's also a free agent right now and his name is Carmelo Anthony. So, you know, wherever Carmelo goes, Kawhi's going to be right there with him, right? Maybe it's just slipping Carmelo if he leaves from power forward, right? A Carmelo enjoy your uh, tenure in Australia. All right, uh, jumping into the <laughs> second quarter, uh, we're talking about our fucking matchup against the Golden State Warriors. Top sliding here, looking at the, uh, the betting odds right now, Golden State under 280, where... Plus 235. Odds are stacked against us, Graf, and why are they wrong? The odds are the, the odds are wrong for seven reasons, which I've outlined here in my little sheet of paper. Good grief. But they're all <laughs> basically facts, and I'll just go through them quickly. But this is the best defense that Golden State's faced ever in the finals. They face a shitty Cleveland defensive team multiple years. Uh, the last year was, I think, they were 29th ranked. They were garbage on defense. The Raptors are one of the best teams in the NBA. And Nick Nurse has proved that he can make the adjustments, like you said earlier, to actually do something. I think we are, we are the best defense now in the NBA. Number two, no Durant. Regardless if he's sitting for a real injury, like I think, or if he's pouting and just wanting, waiting for free agency, or who knows, maybe the guy actually comes back in game two. The fact is he's not in game one, which is in Toronto. It's a huge advantage, and this game means so much, I think, to this series. Uh, three, we were the best three-point team down the stretch. Not them. Don't forget that. As much as they are known as the three-point shooting team, um, we are the team that actually what we're better statistically. Um, four, we've come back from every single series so far. So even if we go down, I still think there's resilience there. We went down to Orlando against Philly and the Bucks. Um, we're also the only team to sweep Golden State in the regular season mm-hmm. of all the teams this year. Some will say, you know, Clay and Curry weren't playing some games. But no, Kawhi, they also, were, Kawhi they were, also didn't play they had enough game du- as well. Durant played both games. I agree. Like, um, we have home court. I mentioned that earlier as one of the biggest things. And the last thing is we have Kawhi. 
Kawhi's been there before. He can beat Golden State. I still think in my heart he would have beaten Golden State when mm-hmm. he didn't get injured because of Zaza. So those seven reasons are why I think all the media pundits and Vegas are all wrong. And a hot take, I'm going to steal it from you, Greg, is I think the Raptors win it in five. Five. I got Raptors in five as well. Uh, Greg, Javon, defensively, stylistically, what do we do to kind of deal with those? Fl- well, I guess right now it's the three-headed prong, the trifecta. Ask Grant the will come back. Ask so the coach. one of the things that uh, a lot of the NBA teams do now is... Sorry, one of the things that a lot of the NBA teams do now is they'd switch a lot. So when the screen comes, they'd switch that screen. With the Raptors, you got four guys who can guard any position. Kyle Lowry can guard one, two, three, four. So can Danny Green. So can Pascal Siakam. Mm-hmm. And so can Kawhi Leonard. And all of those guys have a strong IQ when it comes to yep. what they need to do to guard each guy. They're going to lay off Draymond Green when he's you know taking his shots or he wants to drive to the lane. But they're fighting over screens on Klay Thompson. They're fighting over screens on Steph Curry in a, in a manner that... Uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and those guys couldn't because of their size. They're smaller. These guys are a lot bigger. They're a lot more aggressive. And, you know, they're going to be a lot. It's going to be harder for Steph Curry and, and uh, Clay Thompson to get their shots out for sure. So I think just getting up on those shooters and crashing the glass hard. Yeah. Making sure you box out, limiting them to one possession. I think another key for us to kind of stop, you know, the juggernaut that is the Warriors offense. Because, look, I, I think that they're obviously better with Durant. But... Um, they're still a great team, and 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 Steph Curry, you know, much to my chagrin, chagrin yeah, uh, has been playing lights out. But mind you, yeah, he's an MVP. But I I think we're gonna see now what he's about. So 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 this is this is really the test Ooh. because because now he's playing against. Like to me, the Blazers beating them meant nothing, and the Rockets. To me, playing the, three the, finals the Rockets, in a row against LeBron James. The Rockets, you know? the Rockets, five. the Rockets don't play real basketball, <laughs> right? Like, like that was ridiculous. Okay, so this is the real test. But so what I was going to say is, in terms of stopping the, the the juggernaut that is their offense, I think you you really have to stop um, Draymond in in transition. Like we have to treat him like so, someone's got to get out and stop him, like we did with Giannis, like yeah. right off the bat. Because when I'm watching them play, especially against Portland, like he rips down a rebound, he's up the court. And with, like within four seconds, they're into their offense. All right, so going to that uh, graph, and let's say we put out Golden State puts out the Hamptons lineup, for example. Do you think there's players or certain guys on the roster Raptors lineup right now that are basically unplayable based on the sort of speed uh, for stretching that the Golden State Warriors can bring to the table when they put the Hamptons lineup out there? No, I honestly I don't. Um, you think we could play Gasol against that lineup? I think I we, do because I, I, they always put like it's still usually like Bogut or Looney. No, no, no. It'd be Drake. He's talking talk about the, the Hamptons. Hamptons five. Yeah, like so when Draymond, it's really super small. Yeah, they're they're death lineup. The so, thing is, without Kevin Durant though, I just don't think it's that death like in my mind. Yeah, it it, it would be Draymond, Iguodala, yeah, the Splash Brothers, and, and Sean this is, Livingston. Like I, I don't. So this think, is this is with Kevin Durant. In Alfonso there, right? McKinney. So, that's what, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying right now is that without Durant, the, the lineup doesn't really work. I don't mm-hmm. even think he can throw it out there. Because mm-hmm. if anything, we can just throw a super big lineup or a super switchy lineup with yeah. people like Siakam and like well, you do said we, earlier. Do we, we have can a, be fine. do we have status on Boogie? We know he's questionable for mm-hmm. game one from everything we heard today from Steve Kerr. I mean, he said Durant has to practice before he plays and he hasn't practiced yet, but he didn't say anything about Boogie. And that's the thing, so, though. Even if these guys were to come back, they're not coming back in, in championship finals four. Right. They're and coming in, back in preseason and four. Ri- like, the rhythm and chemistry is all off. And honestly, like we, would, we should just like high pick and roll cousins to death. The best analogy was Draymond Green today said, like, what do you feel? And he said, well, 
It's kind of like a prep school kid getting taken out of prep school and being dropped directly in the middle of the hood <laughs> and yeah. saying, all right, figure your way out. And we are basically, as his teammates, some of his friends or his classmates that have to make sure he steers down the right path. So Buki's going to curse at it too. Usually if this is a regular season game, I'd ease him in. Yeah. I'd ease him in until mm -hmm. he's tired, but this is the finals. I can't just throw him in. We there, might so. see some Jonas Jerebko out I there. I honestly think we're not going to see too much boogie in game one. Yeah. I think it's good. Game one, I think, is for the taking. Oh, my, the honestly, need to win. my yeah. biggest fear in this whole series is I just, I I, I don't want to see Draymond just like steal toe boot Kawhi in the dick. Yeah. This series, I like agree. that's not like an ideal situation for me. Eye. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe both. Like like dick kick and fucking eye poke. The eyes are the going in the head, stealing from Dwight from the office. Um, yeah, it'll be a great... I think it'll be a great matchup. I think it'll be a little more competitive than people think it is. I think five games is a little bit of a stretch. I think it's going to seven. Um, but fuck... I was again. I I was going Golden State before I came in here, but like just seeing all three of your beautiful faces, you're all repping Raptors, Kath. Let's go, Toronto and seven. So we convinced you. Woo! Brandon, <laughs> do you know what it. I like in this too? Do you remember? I, I I don't know the year it was. It was a year when Shaq and Kobe were going to uh, win four in a row, and they had Karl Malone on their team, Gary Payton on their team, and they absolutely swept through the opening rounds. And you remember who they came up against that year in the finals? Detroit. The Detroit Pistons. When they got Rasheed? Right, yeah. Okay. Just like we picked up Gasol at the trade deadline, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, there wasn't necessarily like they, they were a good team, they're defense first team. And the Lakers had some like internal turmoil, right? Between Kobe and Shaq. There were personalities. And Detroit swept them. They were a system I team. I just want to add that. They were a system team. Like, yeah. everybody knew how to make each other better. Yeah, they weren't a whole bunch of individual Well players. coached. They had the franchise Darko Millisek coming off the bench. Yeah. Oh, and defense. And, and like, look, I think we can just overwhelm them. We yeah. have better athletes. What is, K? also, what is these, like, I've been hearing rumors. I haven't been able to get a concrete uh, statement on this, but what, is OG coming back in the finals? What the fuck is happening with Zappendectomy? He's been updated uh, to uh, questionable. Staple that fucker shut and get on the basketball court. We he, need that guy. He talked today for the first time. He mentioned that. Like he wasn't able to speak before. Did he practice today? <laughs> well, he basically confirmed that the, it, it, there was an infection before they got to the surgery and it just complicated. That everything. boggles my mind. You're talking about a multi-billion dollar league, a borderline billion dollar franchise and the medical staff couldn't find well, them. They're giving yeah, exactly. all, the, yeah. all the medical staff is focused on Kawhi. Sorry, OG. Go to the public oh, hospital. Yeah. One, one uh, last St. thing. Mike's. We, we, St. Mike's. We saw Kawhi kind of laboring a couple times in the series. We saw him not really going for the athletic cuts we're typically accustomed to seeing him. Do you think he's a little bit labored? Do you think he's a little bit injured this he series? Looked, he looked fine though in game... Uh, in game six, yeah, no, mm -hmm. like he, like he, there was a significant like improvement between games. Mm -hmm. uh, I and now he's had this rest. I think he's gonna be fine. Yeah, it's I, gonna be cool to see like the two whitest fucking coaches in the league, Steve Kerr and Nurse. You know, just hanging out, going to Golden Corral together, and, watching. And Steve, Steve Kerr is like to me like another wild card. Like he's a damn good coach, man. Yeah. Like right, and like his. He's no Jason Kidd, but his experience. <laughs> Right, um, right. This guy learned from the best. He learned from Phil Jackson. He learned from Greg Popovich. Kendrick Perkins. He had right. dinner with Popovich the other night. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and they were saying how like, oh, like he was like, oh yeah, um, 
Uh, Popovich didn't mention anything about Kawhi. Bullshit. He was asking him. You know what I think that they're going to try to do is put a... Uh, Kick him the San deck. Antonio does? They put smaller defenders on Kawhi. That's what they did. Mm. They put smaller pesky, guys, pesky. pesky guys that that he can't get his dribble off in yeah. front of. Because he does like to play with the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Greg, so. what like old, aging, like gritty vet? Because I know you like... you let your, Like Perkins. Tony Allen like is your fucking like, in, like embodiment of like your favorite player in the world. Who would... Besides Kendrick Perkins, I just mentioned him. Who would be like the next head coach for you? Charles Oakley, man. Jerry Stackhouse. I really like Jerry Stackhouse. I'm glad that he got a job. Uh, he's a hard man's. He's a hard man. Hard man's. You heard it here first. Jerry Stackhouse, the hard man. Um, <laughs> any last comments you guys want to have about the series? We're all we're all going Toronto. Yo, shout out, to the fans. shout out to the fans, man. I swear they played a huge part in 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 making Giannis scared to come to Jurassic Park. So yeah, and they did a great sorry, job. so Greg, you mentioned earlier that someone's got to stop Draymond. Just because I just want to talk about the starting lineup and who I think we're gonna cover. I think the Raptors should have Kawhi covering covering Draymond Green. Yeah. And that because, way he like, can play like free safety off him. Just like it was Giannis, right? He can he can leave him to shoot. I think Siakam should take Clay Thompson because he's got the length yeah, yeah. and think, the quickness. Exactly. I think Lowry and Lowry stays on, on Curry, Curry, Green on Iggy, and Gasol or Ibaka but I, on Luka. But I want to see Kawhi get switched on to those splash. But like I don't want you know what I mean? Like like I'd like to see him get into them a bit on the perimeter. But I like because again, if he's taking Draymond, who's setting those screens for those guys? No, one hundred percent. Draymond. Right? Also, I want to see them post up Steph Curry. Just like they did last time when we played them Lowry with Danny Green. Definitely, no, no, no. It was Danny, Danny Green, Green that did it. Danny he was, Green. He was posting the up. I, I, we have to go at him like the rock. And we got to get Danny Green going too. Get him some easy uh, post buckets if possible. Some layups. We Let's need him. Let the, the ball go in. Maybe start hitting some threes. Because we got to score. Like we got to be able we to need, score 110 points. We need Fred Van Vliet's wife to pop another child so Fred goes on another hot streak. Yo, he was what fourteen of seventeen for Ridiculous. his last. Pop, that, that's out. an NBA record for the playoffs. Four See? games in a row. Still, I still can't get over that. Close out that's the fucking crazy. Bucks of four that's wins crazy. in a row. Uh, jumping into the third quarter, not much to talk about besides the NBA Finals. So we're going to kind of smear two teams together, um, both in absolute turmoil, but on the completely different spectrum of turmoil. I think it's fair to say. Um, we'll talk about the LA Lakers and Houston Rockets. LA Lakers obviously are in the news right now. Uh, Rob Palenka is just a complete fucking sociopath. The bread. Um, the the Heath Ledger story about like how like you know he Kobe Bryant consulted Heath Ledger to give him like this like mental sort of dark edge when he came to the film, which is completely fabricated lie. Um, him like Palinka also saying like Magic Johnson backstabbed him. Um, no, no, the reverse. That or sorry, Magic, Pal- Magic said that Palinka backstabbed him because he wasn't in like Palinka was office. telling people that he wasn't in the office enough. So Jeannie Buss is kind of a shit show as an owner. You're not quite sure where her focus is on. Um, I don't Jackson. know. And LeBron James, Rich Paul, kind of like controlling the flight, like just alienating the complete fucking locker room. Like everyone was a trade chip. Everyone's expendable. There was no culture in that room. Um, and also on the flip side, you got the Houston Rockets right now, who, what, third year in a row, they were ousted by the Golden State Warriors. Um, I think uh, Maury went on a record today saying, even including James Harden. No, it was Woj. Woj read it, but no, but I'm saying from the mouth, I'm assuming of Daryl Morey, that everyone's expendable on that team. Two different topics to bring in. Uh, Greg, what's your perspective on the Lakers situation? Obviously, LeBron James is a centerpiece of that team, but are they realistically looking at a good offseason? Do you think they can bring in anybody based on this tumultuous situation? Well, like, Magic Johnson did a lot of damage, man. Like... I, I actually lost a lot of respect for him listening to the way that he justified what he did. And, like, he was on ESPN 
with Stephen A. Smith and Mike Wilbon, and like they had like a little powwow. And it it's it's like he's he's selling access to the story, right? And he's like, the next time I'm going to talk about it is going to be on this date on first take, right? And but just he's extremely indignant about his role in all of this. Like he takes absolutely no responsibility, right? Um, you talk about like these like like these like presidents and like the head of basketball operations and like they're like losing years on their life because they're staying up for all hours of the night yeah, trying to teach like, like I just want to have fun. I just want to pop by once is? a week in a fucking meeting, sell the position. Genie <laughs> <laughs> Bus messed up when she hired uh Magic Johnson to a three-year contract, and then he let the whole world know, hey, he's like, listen, I'm only here for three years. After three years, I'm gone. And then Magic Johnson pretty much said that I'm trying to butter this baby up for Rob Palenka to take over once I'm gone. So if that's the case, wouldn't you think Rob Palenka, you know, hmm. he wants his say in what has to happen beforehand so, like, he knows what he's getting himself into? Yeah. He doesn't just want to... So, obviously, you know, as much as Magic Johnson was in control, Rob Palenka was always going to be the guy after Magic Johnson left, whether it was now, whether it was next season. So, you know, it's just a big messed up situation from ownership all the way down, just the way they had it all set up. I fully agree with you, Joe. I think I don't think it's Magic's fault. I, I, as, as much as I agree, like I heard his like, you know, his his speech on Stephen I'm not, Smith. I'm not saying about fault or not fault. He just sounded stupid. I agree with you, but I still think it's Jeannie Buss's fault. Yeah, oh, I 100 percent. 100 percent. She's. First of all, I think that she's too committed still to this whole notion of like the old school Lakers. Yeah. And and she has a very small circle of trust, seemingly, because of like her brother's trying to screw her over. And she trusts Kobe, and that link is with Palenka. And she trusted Phil Jackson, and that link is with Kurt Rambis. Brett Rambis. And yeah. those two have so much power in that organization that she was willing to pick them over someone like Magic Johnson, who not only played there, but like has been such a big part of the NBA in general. And she didn't let him actually make the decisions. I agree. She she had to have they hired him as a figurehead. That she had to have foreseen this, right? That there was going to be some sort of a clash. And like you said, Magic Johnson mentioned, if I can't even get free agents to come here, I'm gone. Yeah. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna. That's leave. the only reason he was there. The only reason why the he was hired. The only reason. So what? It's now you're the he, end of year he, two. He signed LeBron James pretty much. No, but but I'm saying now though, it seems like by the way he's come out, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm still gonna help them recruit. Blah, blah. By doing this. Right, you've you're doing more harm than anything. So I don't like. Is he is he like being facetious or is he dumb? Like I'm not sure. I think he's just really bitter. He about, knows basketball, about, and the one thing that they should have let him do was hire his own coach, like he wanted to. Right. I think he's protecting his own I brand. I think he's protecting his own brand because Magic comes across as like that happy guy, like jovial, good guy. You know, he doesn't do anything wrong. So whereas people are like, "Oh, is it Magic's fault? Is it Rob Palinka's fault? Is it Genie Bus's fault?" He comes out, shits on Palinka, shits on Genie Bus. He's and controlling says, the narrative, and then he's exactly he's controlling the narrative. So at the end, when all the smoke settles, he comes out as a good guy, regardless of whatever happens with the Lakers. They and also, he can still do his business deals. So I think he's just doing um, damage control for his own brand right now. He also had the brand. biggest ego last offseason. Like, just completely ridiculous. Not including Ingram in the Kawhi Leonard trade. Not hyperactively pursuing Paul George. Just thinking to himself, well, fuck, I'm Magic Johnson. I have LeBron James. And we're the LA Lakers. We'll, we'll eventually accumulate talent. Like, just yeah, not really happen. going all in last season. Not putting all your chips in the center. And just Trading D'Angelo Russell and drafting 
Lonzo Ball. And apparently inside the actual Lakers organization, because that was a big part of the article as well. He was like that. He was basically so stubborn. And whenever you suggested something, he would look at you with a threatening sort of tone as if like, why would you suggest that? As if he was the 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 know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Look, at they both didn't have front office experience, Palenka or and Magic that, Johnson. And that's the How big thing, right? How could you think that the two of them together combined, one was an agent, one it's was like, a player. It's like, yeah. hiring, failed coach. It's like yeah. hiring Jason yeah. Kidd as a head coach in the NBA, you know, just because he played Who basketball. Think that would work? Sorry, I love you, Greg. <laughs> and and behold, who's the associate head coach now of the, <laughs> of the Lakers? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, and then on the other side of the totem pole is the Houston Rockets. Obviously, they don't really have much of a... It's a pretty big dilemma. I wouldn't say as difficult as the Raptors were prior to the start of the season, but they're a team in turmoil. Obviously, something has to happen. They're talking about how, like him trying to trade Capella. That's the number one guy trying to go. Chris Paul's up there as well. Graf, do you think anyone's going to take Chris Paul's contract at this point? Do, no. Is he tradable? No, I don't think he is. I think Chris Capella is the one that's going to be traded. I mean, yeah. you make, if you look at Chris Paul and James Harden over the next three years, they make over 70%. Well, Paul's the got the Supermax 47 yeah. player option in his fifth year, oh, he's right? just, Yeah, 47 million in his final year, Chris Paul, a player option. How old would he be? 73%, I think, in that final 37, year 38. of the cap. Oh, Jesus. There is no chance. People are saying right now, and I've, like uh, again, I heard this on, on the radio earlier, but who... They're saying Andrew Wiggins, something like that. Like, oh, there's no man. way you're getting a contract that's positive. It's going to make your team better. But in, retros- but in retrospect, though, I honestly don't blame Daryl Morey for offering him that contract, considering the situation he was facing. you got to talk about a team last year that took the Golden State Warriors to Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals. We're not talking about a slouch team, a shit team. This was a very highly competitive team that won over 60 games back-to-back, right? His age, though. Don't, did, right, did right, right. You? But in that situation, though, when you know that you have to accumulate as much talent to take out the Golden State Warriors, you talk about the area of the super team. Darren Morey had to do what he had to do financially to ensure that the small window of James Harden, he, he at least made an effort to put a talent, as talented team as possible around. Yeah, I was good. Look, the problem to me with that team, it's not Chris Paul. It's not James Harden. You're say Mike D'Antoni. It's you know what, but it's it's kind of Mike D'Antoni. But well, I'm he's really, on the outs. I do you know? Do you know? It's fucking Daryl Morey, man, <sighs> and his stupid analytics-based offense where you have guys taking like they're they're playing pickup ball, man. They're playing pickup ball and and jacking up three-point quotas, right? And to me, it showed in those two games when they couldn't will, right? You couldn't just put the ball in the basket by any means necessary, right? Mm-hmm. The, right? Drive it in there, slam it down, whatever you got to do, right? But this like this this philosophy, this ideology of 3 is more than 2, well 0 is less than 2. Well, I completely disagree with you. I think in this generation of basketball, especially with a team like the Golden State Warriors, when you have a triple head, you have a team that is so dominant and then they pass you, and move. They don't, it's not isolation they, I just said it though. I pointers. just said it too. They brought that team to the Western in the Western Conference Finals. They brought that team to Game Seven. Listen to me. I think the biggest issue, at least in my opinion, is getting Clint Capella that massive contract. You saw what Kenneth Fareed could do as a substitute of a starting position. Agreed. If you free up about seventeen million dollars, you put more shooters around and you supply that same methodology. I don't know if that. I don't know if uh, Golden State's winning that series. You can't win championships playing like Houston plays, and it, to me, it's shown. Even it shows. Kevin Durant, okay, but hold, I was going to say, but hold on. Even without Durant, how do you lose that? You you have James Harden and Chris Paul. How do you lose that? But if you look at, at home. if you look at Houston, they have the same dilemma that the Raptors have had for the past four. I was seasons. right about to say that exactly. And Durant leaving is kind of like LeBron leaving, right? And also, you don't know if he's leaving though. If we're 
Okay. The way that uh, Houston gave Chris Paul that big contract, you could say is similar to the way that Toronto gave Kyle Lowry that big contract. And now the Raptors with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, two huge contracts, and they've lost to LeBron. They got swept by LeBron. What do you do? You got to trade away your superstar. So you're saying they're going to trade James Harden to us for Kawhi Leonard? Apparently, apparently like... And Danny Green. All I'm saying <laughs> is that James Harden is... I don't want like James the, Harden. The game, the, the game is structured around James Harden, right? But... He's a similar player to DeMar DeRose. He's a better player, but he's similar. He's a high-volume shooter, high not a high-efficiency shooter, a high-volume shooter, yeah. and a low defender, and a low-energy guy. And when it, comes time for like those, when it comes time for those crunch time moments, he's not he's not making those shots, and DeMar DeRozan didn't make them, and, and James Harden hasn't made them over the past four years. Apparently, Paul and, and Harden got into beef, right? Yeah. Because And you could see it, like, like Harden would give the ball up and just stand there. Yeah, no, I agree. But it's like, but he's not doing anything. He's not adding value to that. He's possession. not even in his triple threat stance. Like he's just walking up the court because he's like, oh, I don't have the ball, so I don't have to play now because our offense is my isolation. Now it's my time to take and a, a break. Bunch of threes. Yeah, that you can't win a basketball. It's inorganic. And the thing is, it's it's an IQ thing too, right? Like their mind is not in the right place. Like they're not all on the same page, and it's it's an IQ well, thing. He it's thinks a he's a celebrity, thing. man. Yep. Right, and he kind of is. But it's like, look at Kawhi, right? The difference. <laughs> He's a two-way player. Sit. And he takes that big shot he's a, and he's hits a real the guy, shot. man. He's a real guy. It's funny how right? all the criticism for Kawhi being quiet and being humble earlier in the season, not being marketable, and you're not like Curry or Harden. All of a sudden yeah. now, when it comes down to playing basketball, yeah. when it really matters, it's the other way around. Yeah. And I in my mind, I just to go back to your guys' sort of argument, you have to admit you did kind of admit Daryl Morey has made mistakes in terms of signing Clint Capella to a large contract. However, I, I disagree with you in terms of Chris Paul. I think he kind of he was old. I don't think he had to give him that much money. Um so I think there were mistakes that Daryl Morey's made. You can't just sit here and say like he's not the reason they're in the position that they're in. But I also think he's a guy that basically got 40 cents on the dollar in the James Harden trade, who has made some masterful decisions within the last couple of years. Again, he has made some mistakes. I agree with you, but I don't think he's a scapegoat in the situation. To me, it's their style of basketball, and that's partly D'Antoni, right? But I think it's like spurred I, on I, by, I, by I agree. Maury okay. telling him. Maury told him, you, this team has okay, to okay, shoot okay. a minimum I, I, of threes a game. Okay, I to shoot a minimum. Okay, I agree with you. I'm just saying that he's made... He's, he's made some good trades and, and, and he's brought the team to where they are. I'm saying the bigger issue is that he's just kept the product together for way too long. You he can see defeat or you give up. Last season, like, he should have he should have came to the conclusion that you can't, like the Clint Capella contract is completely ridiculous. But they needed to sign him, right? The Clint Capella contract is kind of like the Chris Paul one, though, where they just come off such a close win of beating Golden State. Well, Chris Paul's Clint a free Capella, agent, right? But, Losing Ariza was big for them. But Clint Capella would have yeah, been exactly. taken by another team. Someone else would have given I'm saying Clint freeing up $17 million in cap space in retrospect, maybe not giving Chris Paul the Supermax contract for about $25 million. Think about the type of assets and players you could surround that team with. Three-point shooters, guys to epitomize the methodology of, of spacing that Mike D'Antoni. Guys want the Supermax. Like, now give me every penny. Yeah, but they're also easy to scheme for because you know everything's at the basket. Everything's at, is at the, the three-point line, mm -hmm. so it's somewhat predictable. Like there's yeah. no like, and but and again, there this whole thing is because all the Warriors started. Okay, the so Warriors take more mid-range jump shots than anybody. Yeah, they shoot threes. Okay, but they also shoot mid-range. So you're in Daryl. You're in It's a very balanced approach to the offense. You're in the, They play the right way. The Rockets play basketball like. The, I keep saying inorganically. The Warriors play it organically. They pass, they move, they spin. It's like the triangle offense on steroids. Okay, you're in Daryl Morey's situation. You have the Golden State Warriors and you have a guy like James Harden. What do you do in the situation? How do you what, what do you invest your money in? Are you winning championships? Or are you going for lottery picks? 
they need to get a new coach and a new style of play. I really like, and they have to get him to buy into team ball. Like you, you just can't build your offense around one isolation score that dribbles the ball until the twenty second mark and jacks up a step back three. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it, how do you keep everybody else engaged? So apparently that was one of the main reasons why they had that argument, though. Chris Paul and James Harden. They were saying that D'Antoni or Chris Paul was basically arguing that he wanted D'Antoni to go back to playing the eight second offense or less or whatever the way that he yeah, had with, with the Suns. In, in the Suns, yeah, that's and better. Harden is such an isolation type player that he can't play like that. So apparently that's the whole reason why that argument even like occurred. Oh, I'm not scapegoating D'Antoni. I don't think he's a like. I think he's a decent head coach. I don't think he's a great head coach. I think he's gone on the chopping block this season. I think exactly what you just said. I just think when talks about the accumulation of talent, just that team in general. I don't know. Like that's, he, that, that that's that's that, that's the if, if, if they're second fiddle. That's a decent team at the end of the day. But this way, I'm just so like, what, like their legacy looking them. back. I'm not going to like. Well, that a lot of people said that, you know, when Durant went out, that was their shot and this is their legacy. And they absolutely laid, laid an egg. Absolutely. Right. I just, I don't know. Can like, you guys find a, uh, a package deal for involving Anthony Davis and James Harden? Do you guys see something like that happening? Maybe like Chris Paul, Clint Capella and like Gordon. I don't know how the sal, but salary. Remember, remember, Anthony Davis only has one more year on his contract, though. So it'd be take a that, though. roll the dice like Masai, man. That's it. All right, That's rolling it. to the last quarter of the podcast. Greg's gripe. I know you have some issue with the uh, the media roasting of Giannis. Kind of similar to what happened to Joel Embiid in the last series. The floor is yours. Apparently, Brandon, when the Raptors beat someone, it's not because we're good. It's because like the other players are shit. This is something that I've come to notice more and more. And I don't actually think that it's that it's just purely when the Raptors play. This is something where like, okay, uh, oh, yeah, all the headlines. Giannis is overrated. Who rated him? You guys rated him. You guys picked him up, hyped him up, right? Called the, you know, the next Shaq and all this stuff, MVP, blah, 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 right? He's young, he's a young guy, he's under 25 years old, he's still growing, but you've built him up into this. A thing that isn't even real and then broken back down and it's kind of similar with Embiid right where where the the and it's it's just that I guess magnified because uh, it is the Raptors right and oh they must have been horrible like how Stephen A. Smith keeps saying oh the only thing I learned in that series was that was that uh, uh, there's only one superstar Giannis isn't a superstar maybe the Raptors defense was just really really good that's my take I thought you were upset with Giannis no, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm upset with how they cover him. I'm upset with how, like, upset all of a sudden media. now he's overrated and, and he doesn't have a jump shot and all of a sudden that stuff existed before, man. Like, he, you know what I mean? Like, they just overhyped him. And the spin I, is crazy, I, man. I was, I trying think to get the spin, those yeah. You guys spun it in the first place. Now you're trying to spin it back. You know, and this, you know, you guys mentioned the reason why you and Greg started the podcast. I think one of the main reasons why I wanted to come on as well is because I still, I, to this day, I believe there's a huge discrepancy between what the media thinks and what true fans think. And if you look on again, like I run the Twitter account for us, so like if you look at Twitter and you look at like what the Bucks have posted afterwards with Giannis's interviews, look at all the comments. The fans Every love him. Person loves him. Oh right? yeah, they love him. If you look down, they, they who's to blame for this? They all say it's a mixture of Eric Bledsoe and basically Chris Middleton because they fell down, down like they. They were terrible down the stretch. But the media blames Giannis. Again, so I, I agree with Which you. Which is not fair. I, I just, I, I still just don't think the media is a good representation of what majority of people think. Oh, it it's isn't. Just, they just have a platform. Yeah. And they, and if anything, it's more of one person says something and they all want to jump on a story. So they mm-hmm. all want to follow on the bandwagon and they all say the same thing and they all must be right. Yeah. But I agree with you fully. Like, I don't think Giannis, 
again, it scares me because you know that it's going to give him motivation. <laughs> yeah. Like the last time we said something, oh, he's too skinny. Look what happened. Yeah, he got completely yeah. fucking jacked. Yeah. Now, oh, he can't shoot. Wait until next season. Like the guy hit threes this in the playoffs this year. Yeah. He was probably the best percentage shooter from three this year. Wait till he starts taking them in volume. Yeah. I'm scared about this whole thing. Oh man. Well, I, I was hoping that the Bucks would actually do poorly this season, uh, because I I think that there's a chance that Giannis would want to come to Toronto. Right, because he knows Masai. Right, we got the we got the Africa connection. Right, but like, so we'll see how, what this team does. They're in an interesting spot. Well, we'll, we'll bring him after we get LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Uh, again, you can find us on Apple Music or Apple, sorry, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Am I missing anything? Go Raps, go. Go Raptors. Yeah, and just uh, go Raps, go. Check out our Instagram, T-Sport Matters. Raps in five. Uh, big shout out to everyone who has helped us out with the podcast. I want to give another shout out to Miku Betlam, our executive producer. Also, Carlos Martinez, who runs our social media page. Um, also, uh, Casey Bannerman, who gave me this shirt. I'm wearing the, the bounce, 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 bounce Kawhi Leonard shirt. Right? Yeah, where that's the fuck is my shirt, Casey? So, that's actually an awesome shirt there. All right, it's guys. funny that he drew in the towels. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Peace. 1.2 seconds to go. Vince Carter, you are amazing. Give it to me.